Hello, my name is Sean Pertwee. I play Alfred Pennyworth in the show Gotham. And welcome to Geek Bride. faces and a another guest uh we'll start with the the usual faces uh we've got peter ray allison good evening and mark canty hello and our guest tonight is matt hardy hello there not the wrestler uh, yeah i've never heard that <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm so well, sorry I, I don't know much more about wrestling but i used to have people follow me around at convention shouting v1 which is what <laughs> used to shout at Matt Hardy, the wrestler. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not, obviously, I'm, I'm not him. <laughs> so, so Matt, who, who are you? What, what do you do? What's your thing? So, I am, I uh, run a small self-publisher, a uh, comic book publisher called Mad Robot Comics. Uh, we've been running since 2014, so six, nearly seven years now. Uh, I publish, I self-publish, so I write uh, a lot of my own titles. I publish other people's work. I've also been published by various um, small press companies, um, uh, Madius Comics, Broadcast Comics. I've got work coming up next year from Heavy Metal, uh, Marcosia, uh, and a few others I can't talk about at the moment. Um, I write, okay, in a nutshell, I write comic books. <laughs> Are there is there a sort of running theme throughout the comic books, or is it a bit of everything? Um, initially, most of the stuff I used to write we used to put under the, the term uh, horror comedy, so light-hearted horror type uh, stories. But no, I mean this year I've I've done a, a World War Two horror, <laughs> which was with no comedy. Uh, an, an adaptation of Sherlock Holmes' book as a graphic novel. Oh, which one? Um, say again. Which one? Uh, Study in Scarlet. Oh, so, I do like I do like Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. So Study in Scarlet was um, actually written in Portsmouth. So Arthur Conan Doyle was living in Portsmouth, um, working as a, I think he was a dentist. Yeah, he was. He, <laughs> Arthur Conan Doyle Society are going to murder me for getting this bomb, but he was working in Portsmouth and yeah, his first Sherlock Holmes book was written in Portsmouth. Portsmouth holds the largest collection of Arthur Conan Doyle memorabilia in the country and Portsmouth Council approached me and said, would I adapt Studying Scarlet in a a, a 70-page graphic novel uh, for children? So I don't know if you, do you know the book at all? Yep. Yeah, it's not really suitable for children. <laughs> uh, it's nasty and bloody and, um, yeah, horrible. So, yeah, that was somewhat of a challenge. So, yeah, no, I've, I've, it's been a busy year for me. Did you say it was, it was, it was for children, but it, it, it really isn't? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, so the, um, the, the, the original text, the book written by Arthur Conan Doyle, 130 odd years ago now um is i mean it's the very it's considered to be one of the very first detective novels one of the very first um i mean it's the very first sherlock holmes story and yeah i mean they they 
they poison a dog in the story. Um, the woman gets kidnapped and, and um, because she won't marry someone. Um, there's bloody horrible murder throughout the whole book. I was given the book and said, please, can you adapt this for children? And I, I said to them, I said, okay, but we're going to have to be clever here. We're going to have to work around a lot of the extremely nasty stuff that's in the original text. Um, but they wanted a new audience for Sherlock Holmes. They wanted to start with the book published in Portsmouth. So, yeah, I think in the end we did a really good job. I worked with a, an artist called um, Russell Mark Olson. He, he lives in Portsmouth. And, yeah, we did a pretty good job, I think. It's like uh, talking about sort of uh, kids kids books that aren't really kids books. Have, uh, have you ever read The Cimmerillion, uh, Lord of the Rings Bible, effectively? Oh, I, I, do you know something? I'm, I work in a comic book shop. So I consider myself to be exceptionally well-rounded in all kind of geek stuff. I'm not a massive Lord of the Rings fan. Oh, my God. You, yeah, I know. You, I know. sir, are going to get I ejected from this cool. podcast very quickly. <laughs> all the time. Oh, oh God, please tell um, me you hit like Rogue One. He's going to eject you right oh, now. Oh, that's another. That's, <laughs> this, this, this is the second question. You, you've got strike one here, sir. What did you think of Rogue One? I, I, I really liked Rogue One. That's no, right. You can stay. It's okay. <laughs> um, I'm you not a fan of the Lord of the Rings either. Oh, Pete, what are you doing to me, man? God, what? <laughs> what are you not? Are you not a fan of the books? Are you not a fan of the films? It's all the singing. All the singing in the bloody books. I'm skipping the pages. Or oh, the singing again. Let's skip that page. And the films have become progressively worse. What? The first one, I love. The second, <laughs> the second one. It's okay. The third one, it keeps ending and ending and ending. Are you fucking serious, man? You've got literally, you've got, you've literally got two of the best battle scenes in history in in Helm's oh, yeah, Helm's Deep of... and and Pelennor Fields, and you're trying to tell me they're worse than the first film? The only good, the the first film's amazing because it's got Boromir in it. And Sean Bean's freaking yeah, awesome. I, I, exactly. That entire point was a great beginning, middle, end. The story of Boromir was basically the first film. And that was brilliantly well done. And yeah, the battle scenes in the second film were brilliant. Yeah, really well done. But I stand in as interesting the characters. And the third one is just, oh, God's sake, will you please just end? Oh, they've ended. No, 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 I granted it does have a lot of endings, but that, no, not ended. but that doesn't right. make it a bad film. It's just, you it know. Does. It does. No. Like, it ends once, not ten times. I actually, I, don't, I quite like, I, I totally agree about the endings. I don't mind the film, despite the fact my wife fell asleep during the first one. Yeah, she's like, are they still walking? Yes, they're still walking. They're still walking. Yeah, they're, they're still, they're still, yeah, you've got a lot of walking. Okay? It's like that Clerks 2, that Clerks 2 thing where it's yes. like he's going through the... Uh... Yeah, that's spot on. <laughs> it's not spot on. I, know, I hear nothing of it. Lord of the Rings fam. It's <laughs> though, but though my mother, like my, my entire family... Um, are massive, massive, massive Lord of the Rings fans, like to the point where my father, my mum told me that my father um, on their first date had literally, he had his first edition of Lord of the Rings and um, he re he read it on their first date. He's, that's what they did. Wow. And my, this is my, my mother, who, my mother who's from Oxford and she lives, she lived in a house which was literally opposite uh where where um tolkien is buried 
you know, so you can go and see his grave and stuff. It's got little toys and things beside it where people leave like offerings to him and stuff. But uh, my mum fell asleep during every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the family are like super into it. Like we we grew up on it. If you you know reading it, watching the cartoon, and then obviously the films when they came out and stuff. So it's like ingrained in all of us. But my mother, who's from Oxford, and you know, resides near his grave, has very little interest in it. <laughs> you see, from a, a, a fantasy fan point of view, I utterly adore what we got from those books, what he gave us, the ideas, the concepts, all of it. From a writer point of view, I really hate linear narratives. I hate stories that are one thing, follows another thing, follows another. I like stories that jump around in time, in perspective, and all those sort of things. And it's just, I mean, it's a its a book of its time completely. And it's, it is a beautiful piece of work. It just doesn't thrill me. It's, the thing is the... Would you like me to go now? Would no, no, like no. It's just like, the, the thing is, like, I, the, the Hobbit as a book, um, you know, it, it's a child, it's a proper, it's a child's book. And, um... You know, it does. It you know, as a kid reading it, it did grip me because it was my first sort of experience of you know that, that that whole thing. But reading it back now, you know, it, it's it's nothing. You know, it doesn't sort of do loads for me because you know it, it, there's not a lot in it. It's you know, it is a it's a short story effectively. Um, reading the Cimmerillion, and if you like sort of complicated storylines and things jumping around and stuff, then you need to read that. No, it's not. It was never completely finished, so his his son had to finish it off. But it is messed up. It's like got some super messed up parts in it. Like you know, as a as a book that you know is it was technically for kids. Um, you <laughs> the 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 best the the most messed up story in the Cimmerillion is basically uh, Turin, who's the son of Huron, and his his sister. I'm gonna. Oh, I can't even remember her name, Neonar, Neonar, or something like that. Because, and um, I, I apologize, all my my brethren, Lord of the Rings brethren, but basically his sister. Uh, there's a there's a dragon called um, Garlrong, and he basically bewitches um, both of them. She runs off. The daughter runs off into. Sorry, the sister runs off into the forest, mad. And he gets frozen and forgets who he is. Uh, he basically goes off, becomes a bandit, uh, meets a girl, falls in love. Uh, they have a child. Uh, he then goes and fights Gal, um, Galrong. And just before he kills Galrong, Galrong basically turns around, um, sorry, freezes him. And then um, the girl, uh, and I'm not going to say spoilers because if you haven't read it, then... Well, you know, but he turns around to the girl and says, "You see that? You see that guy who uh, he's killed me? That's your brother, and you're pregnant. Yeah, and that's it. You're pregnant with his with his kids, and it's like that's it. He literally he he basically kind of drops the mic and goes, "That's your brother. That's the child of your 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 brother within your belly." And I'm gonna die, and then he he basically dies, and then she commits suicide. <laughs> it's like right. uh, yeah, yeah, it's super messed up. <laughs> it's yeah. like I tried reading the Silmarillion many years ago, and I found it incredibly hard. dense and complex. It is. It was not an easy read, to be fair. Yeah, it, it's 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 more the fact that you've got um, it starts off you know, it basically creation. So you've got Iluvatar and the Inari and stuff. And then you've got, um, 
you know, it, it starts off with things how they're pronounced in sort of you know Valinor or Val, you know, in the language of Valinor, and then you've got it in 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 Elven, and then you've got it in Sindarin, then you've got it in Dwarven, then you've got it in Human, and then you've got it in like in Numenorean. And at this point, I stopped reading it. Yeah, so it's like all these different things. And I don't see why you're thinking it's complex at all. It sounds very straightforward. Yeah, well, it's like you know, you have to get well, your head around it a lot. There's that meme going around that the number of uh, like. Um, unique words to a particular setting is directly proportional to how f- physically unreadable it is. It's mm. not. It's not unreadable. It's just you have to. You know, I had to. Re- I read it a couple of times. You have to study it. Yeah, you, you do. You do have to study it. But there's a lot of there's a lot to it and stuff. And it's yeah. you know there's a lot of depth, like like super depth to it. And it's just like it's mad. You know, just it's it's interesting because there's a lot of stuff that you know sort of he he sort of talks about briefly in some of the other books, and it sort of expands upon it. And so it's good, like the Lev Luthien, and you know it even has stuff about sort of you know the fellowship and stuff it's just you know it's 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 very good it's just it's very it is dense it is it's, it's a hard 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 book to read but it's fucked up it's, it's a fucked up book it's not like it's not all sort of happy clappy this is a happy ending it's all about the betrayal and incest and death and murder and shit going shit going down so modern politics yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like a perfect story to me yeah it's yeah. all the elements you need for a good drama yeah it's it's you know it was so, game of so thrones it was game of thrones before you, game of thrones how did you convert um a study in scarlet into a children's story that i want to know so i reread the book I wrote down all the salient points you needed in the book to tell the story, all the things you couldn't do without. And thankfully, a lot of the uh, unpalatable stuff for children wasn't necessary for the plot. So, I mean, for example, there there's a, a scene where Holmes is trying to work out which of two pills are poison. To do so, he says, oh, there's a downstairs have got a got a dog a punk, and he's a bit, a bit, not very well these days, he's a bit old. Bring him up, we're feeding the poison, and see if he dies. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's going to send your, your, your normal, you know, nine to 11 year old crying, basically. Um, so I literally had them drop um, mints into different liquids instead to see what would happen with the liquid. So I, 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 I visually paraphrased all the difficult stuff. Um, end of the day, though, I mean, kids these days, um, they, they're into Fortnite. Um, yeah. They're into some of the video, some of the stuff you see in video games. It's far, far worse than some of the stuff of a book 130 years ago. So all the most of the murder um you know there's a there's a scene where the, there's you know they open a room and there's blood everywhere that i was literally i said to the i said to the guys who commissioned it i said are you all right with this and they went yeah they see worse at fortnite <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was able to keep most of the uh most of it in the book um but yeah there was one or two things that literally i had to say no i'm really sorry i can't put that in a children's book and i'm actually to cut them out but yeah by and large um, I think I managed to hit all the major plot points of the book. Um, we told it from the point of view of a group of children who were um, doing a, a play, a, a school play of the um, the book. 
So how to use that as a, a structure to kind of, yeah. So they're, they're telling the play. During the play, they end up sort of, you know, we merge the worlds of Victorian England and the play. So they kind of slip into that world. So one minute they're going along in a, uh, a cart on a horse that's made of like a, a wooden car on the floor. Then they slip into the world of Sherlock Holmes, Victorian England, and they're in the, the trap and the cart on the cobble streets. So um, it... It went down very well. It was exceptionally well received. We've had some really good reviews on it. So, yeah, I, 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 I was worried that I wouldn't get away with um, a lot of stuff I did in the book, but I did. Do you um, do you use Kickstarter to sort of uh, promote your 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 new comics? Might do. No. Okay. Uh, you sound uh, cautious about it. Oh, no, no, that's me being modest. I've just run, run my thirteenth Kickstarter. Oh, wow. holy shit! Wow, brilliant! So, yeah, I've taken about in total just over fifty thousand pounds worth of Kickstarter funds for various comic books. I mean, games, games do very well on Kickstarter. Comic books do <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> that, I have an entire shipping container somewhere full of Kickstarter games <laughs> with space for the ones that they haven't sent him yet. <laughs> yeah. He buys like the. The fifteen hundred pound option with like all fifteen expansions, yeah, the solid I, gold extra mini. I can't do. I can't do the. Um... The, the creators come round to your house and make the game in front of you. Yeah, those yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't do the. Uh, you know, if there's an expansion to something, if something there's a game and there's an expansion, I can't not have the expansion. It's like one of those things. I have to have it. It's like it's like that part inside me is going. You must have the pretty things. The pretty things, and it's just yeah. Yeah, you're you're the type of backer I really like. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I, I um, Kickstarters live and die on the backers, and I, I thankfully have a really good, strong following of people who, who buy my work, follow my work. Um, this year alone, I've taken about twenty grand in. Mind you, at the moment, all comic book Kickstarters are taking 35 percent more money than they would normally. Yeah. Um, it's partly the lockdown. People have got, you know, their time on their hands. They want stuff to read. Partly the mainstream companies have dropped the ball a little bit. A lot of them, a lot of them stopped publishing during lockdown. A lot of people went, okay, well, we're, we're turned to Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, by and large, um, I, a comic that would normally take about five grand for me is making seven, eight, nine grand. Wow. So, so yeah, they're doing, um, yeah, they're doing really well at the moment. Kickstarter is absolutely the, the main platform I sell on. So uh, do you think it, it's, it's obviously a good thing then? Kickstarter, you, you know, it's good for comic book creators? Um... Massively so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's gone from, I, I mean, I've been doing it now for four or five years now, Kickstarter. And it's gone from, um, it's gone from something you do to get your work out there to now it's a revenue stream. Um, so much so that a lot of the major comic book creators who work for Marvel and DC, I mean, uh, are now putting their work directly to Kickstarter. Um, there's a, I think, I think it's, I think it's, I, is it IDW or Dark Horse? I can't think who it was, but um, Keanu Reeves, do you, you saw the Keanu Reeves book that he was doing? Um, no. He, Keanu Reeves is writing a comic book. All right, no way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, they put it on Kickstarter. It took, I mean, I'm not sure the end end amount, but it took serious, serious money. And it, <laughs> made, and it literally, and this was a major comic book company doing it, not like uh, a small 
small outfit like me. No, Kickstarter is now seen as a viable um, revenue stream for comic books. I think I think it's the same with like tabletop games and stuff. You know, once you know, it, it, it's it's a double edged sword, especially for addicts like me, where in that you've got. Um, this platform which literally unleashes this wide plethora of different games that you can get um you know things you know back in back in the 80s and 90s growing up um you know the games you got were the ones you walked into the store and you you find and you know there was a new board game every now and again now there's board games and tabletop games out monthly you yeah. know well regularly but, and yeah. it it's somewhat stressful. <laughs> yeah. Basically, Steam, um, Kickstarter is now used as a pre-ordering tool. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically, like, you know, and they'll see them do it freely, get Onyx Path, all kind to say, we are going to make this game. Do you want to back us? Even though they don't have the funds to do it, they say, yeah, who wants to back us on this? And that basically acts as a um, like pre-ordering tool. And then they release the game to, like, full about a month after it's been um, completed. Yeah, we're well, having this conversation. Ordering system now, Kickstarter, very much so. Yeah. What 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 are your are you are you do you deliver your your products in a timely manner or like mine that are always late? Okay, um, um, I've occasionally gone a couple of months over uh, on 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 a few books, generally because um, I depend upon the artists. To draw my work and sometimes the artists say I'd like a little bit longer to do a better job and in which case I'm like that's fine most Kickstarter backers will accept maybe a month maybe two as a, a slight extension on a um, on a comic book campaign I know there are games game campaigns that literally will put maybe a year maybe more on their delivery time um, I would never in a million years try anything like that I think that's potentially basically yeah well what is it yeah me pete remember that game airflix that we played oh yeah dude that was great it's still it's still not come yet and um it, Jeez, that was like three years ago that was three yeah. years ago that how you can take people's money and 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 not just you know take decent money and then not deliver on what you've been you've been promised yeah i think with board games like i i have yet to have anything uh tech wise board game wise um that hasn't been hasn't been really lit to be honest um you get every now and again you do get the odd sort of ones that come in sort of on time ish and stuff but generally there's yeah. always some sort of issue and it's always like deliveries coming in and from china and stuff like the casts are wrong or they the, you know there's one of the ones i've got at the minute one of the, the, the fantasy board games i've got is they got all the stuff in and people got um some of the the lower the lower backers got some of their stuff out but it had mold and stuff going on it and there was stuff you know there was all kinds of things within it and they had to sort of come bring it back because and so yeah um my my current kickstarter which i'm mailing out on tuesday is about three weeks late and 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 that makes me feel a bit better i'm not (laughs) oh man yeah it's like i've as far as I'm aware, there's no mould in the book. <laughs> You've yeah. got a new response next time someone says it's a week late. Yes, but there's no mould on it. No mold. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, yeah. we guarantee our work is mould-free. We're, yeah. we're on the cover. 
yeah like most of the, most of the games they they don't come out for they, it, it does take about a year so you're literally ordering for a year later and then from that point on uh you know there's there's downtime like i said that airflix which is really good like the guy updates yeah. now and again he's having problems basically because of i think it's basically a one-man band and he's having to do everything himself everything. and yeah. um he's having problems with deliveries and stuff um and i'm i'm okay the the wait because i've got a million games and stuff so it's not like i i, I need that game straight away as long as i get it it's not like the hero quest 25th anniversary that <laughs> i ordered in 2000 and uh 14 2015 oh, yeah. and never got um and because, the 30th anniversary is coming up yeah the 30th anniversary is coming up yeah. um, I mean, to the I point where now hero quest is coming out by hasbro <laughs> I don't have the same production problems. I mean, literally, I have an artist, a letterer, and uh, an inker, a colorist, and a printer. So as long as all those people do their job, I don't have. I don't have to worry about importing any any models or get anything, uh, you know, produced specifically for the game. But if you know you're going to have those issues, you factor that into your delivery time. That's the one thing I've never sort yeah, of understood. But you've also got like slightly different uh, challenges, namely like, the printing and production. That's going to be quite different to, isn't it? And, See, and- I think what you have, the major issue you have, especially for board games, is a lot of it is produced in China because it's so much cheaper. The problem, then you've got, they send, they have to send okay. over a production copy, which takes ages, and then you look at it, and they go, okay, and then it comes back, and then you'll, every time there's a delay in one of the ones I've backed, it's always been, um, there's, the, the printing's the wrong color or it's slightly faded from what they wanted or the miniature's slightly warped or something and then they've got to send it all back and then it's got to be redone and then it takes months for the shipping to come through and stuff and that's where all the massive delays come in and so I've just accepted it if I order a game on Kickstarter I'm not going to see it for about a year and then I forget about it and then some random big box turns up on my doorstep and I'm like what the hell's that and then I'm like oh sweet it's a, it's a gift from my from my previous self <laughs> So I work in the games, games, um, comic book games. So I'm, I'm sorry, I work for Comics, Games and Coffee in Chichester. My boss will kill me if I don't give her. Give her. <laughs> I'm wearing my work uniform. <laughs> comics, game, comics, Games and Coffee in Chichester. Um, and uh, we back a lot of Kickstarter, get a lot of games, Kickstarters. Um, you know, people ask, they say, are you going to back so-and-so? Are you going to get copies in? So obviously we back a lot of them. And yeah, I can totally, I agree. Literally I'll be uh, in, in the, in the shop and 10 boxes will turn up <laughs> and I'll, I'll find my boss and I go, what's this? If you're like, no idea, we'll open it up and it'll be a Kickstarter from three years ago. <laughs> literally out of the blue turns up on our doorstep. Yeah. Surprise. And what are things like for the bricks and mortar game stores now? Uh, so, right, right now at this very moment, it's hard because we are we're shut down. Um, we're doing we can do click and collect under the, under the rules. We can do basically what Argus does. We can mail stuff out, and people can let us know what they want, and we put it at the front of the shop to collect. But that's where that's not good enough at the moment. We are losing thousands of pounds in revenue because we're actually we did really between this lockdown and the current lockdown we did okay um people were people realized i mean this is my personal opinion i think people realized during lockdown that things like graphic novels comics games miniatures especially games workshop stuff 
painting miniatures, all of those things are really good if you're stuck in the house. Yep. If you can't get out, if you can't do anything, having a stack of books, having a stack of things to paint, really important. So when the, the last lockdown finished, we saw a massive influx of people coming and restocking all of their board games, all of their graphic novels, all of their miniatures. So yeah, we did okay during the period of time between this lockdown and the last lockdown. But right now, no, we, we can't, you know. Because you guys have just actually had a really good expansion period, hadn't you? You've opened up in Winchester not that long ago. You yeah. just moved into bigger premises, so you had more room. Yeah, we're the only shop in the last two years in the UK to move to a bigger premises. Yeah, we had a smaller shop in Chichester. We, we, we moved to a shop four times the size. Um, we moved in February, and lockdown was in March. So, yeah, we were, we were open in March. But no, saying saying that, yeah, um, uh, I think my boss has done a pretty good job of holding it all together. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we, we've, but as I said, at the moment, it's a nightmare because we literally, we, we, we rely on people coming into the shop and browsing and literally going, oh, pretty thing. I want some of that. That's me. I want some of that. <laughs> and we can't, we can't do that. Yeah, it's it's really much because like there's like I, my locals uh, element games in in Stockport and um I I I can't go in there even just to sort of look at a game uh, look at you know I play tournaments for Warhammer and stuff in there I can't go in there without buying something because I'll just walk past it and go holy shit I need that not right now but I could use that and then I just sort of you know and it's the amount of business they do through the gaming itself and things is because people yeah. just say, oh, I need some glue or I need this. Uh, and, 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 you know, they do loads of business and they've expanded loads. And yeah, um, we, we, used to have, we used to have Magic Nights, uh, Warhammer Nights, Yu-Gi-Oh! Nights, Star Wars X-Wing Nights, D&D Nights. We literally, every night we were running an event and all of those people obviously would, you know, they buy stuff because you do, you're in the shop, you're looking around, you're playing in the shop, you buy stuff while you're there. And I would agree, every customer who used to walk into our shop would tend to buy something because you walk into that type of shop, you know you want to buy something. Yep. yep. And at the moment, yeah, lack of browsing. Um, we, we should be okay. We should come out of, we're not going to go under, hopefully. But it's, yeah, it's not good for, for any industry at the moment. Yeah, it's, uh, it's bad times. Like, uh, yeah. Did you um, also kind of rent tables out as well? Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, Mark, Mark, do you remember the do you remember the old shop in Chichester? Oh yeah, the elbow room only. You'd have like one game going in the front if someone didn't trip over as they came in the front door. Yeah, it's it's a proper it was a proper like single wide corner shop sort of setup that went down deep, back deep. Absolutely, it was a, <laughs> a corner shop size store, and um, yeah, basically we could we could fit twelve people in, but if you did, then nobody could move. And normally, customers would actually walk by the store and not come in because you couldn't get in the store for gamers. The new shop, we have the back room that takes 30 people. Um, yeah. We chose the new premises entirely for that reason. And you'll find up and down the country, lots of shops are, go, are following that, um, that, that model. Yeah. You have a separate from the gaming area. It is difficult, though. I mean, I don't... Kick the nerds out the back. Out the way. <laughs> they, don't, they don't scare the normal people. <laughs> yeah, well, I have I'll, a friend who... Sorry, Pete. Um, the, at the local uh, Bolt and Swords gaming store in Derby, this is just on the road for me, so it's, that's dangerous. Um, they've got like the, um, the front of the store with like, some demo games on. Quite spacious and some um, 
like stuff to pick off the shelves. And then on the top floor above, that is all the dedicated gaming tables for the nerds. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's a really good model because you can come in, you can have your own space, you can play. If you want, you think you come downstairs. Most of these places like us will offer food and drink. Yeah. Which is really good money for the store. And yeah, the same at the same time, people can still come and browse. So we have, yeah. Yeah. Really, really great new big premises that we can't use at the moment. Oh, God, it's, Gaming. it's a difficult time, even just for that, any of those sort of games and shops. I've got yeah. a friend who used to run a place called Warbor up in Bromley. Oh, I've heard yeah, of Warbor a few times. It's shut, isn't Jason. it? Yeah, it part, shut down about a year or so back. Um, mm. And I've known him since before he got started. My, my day job is in e-commerce. Um, I work with um, companies that do like the, the back-end software for people that sell online. And I got to know Jason, who's the guy who was running that shop, um, because he was he was doing this stuff part time for like, you know, like buying stuff in and selling it on eBay and he couldn't keep up. He took on a shop about the same sort of concept as you had, but yeah, it had a, a downstairs. Yeah, and so I know where the gaming area was. Yeah. I've been no, there. no up no upstairs in the original shop. Oh okay. it was a shop about the same size you had. Yeah. And it had a basement. And all the gaming happened in the basement. And there was this big old column holding everything up. So he built a Hive War gaming setup around it, like a multi-level Hive War thing for like Necromunda and stuff. Cool. Because he had to use that space. Yeah, yeah. You had to get the most. When he moved into the new shop, I went up there and helped him get going. And I I did a few sort of um, X-Wing gaming stuff, games down there sort of for tournaments. Yeah. And I remember one time... I, I went to a few of the bigger X-Wing tournaments there. Yeah, oh, God. I remember, because that's that's kind of how I know Phil. Phil GC. That, that oh, yeah, Phil. Okay. <laughs> um, but um, I remember one time turning up there, and this guy walked in, and he walked up to Jason and said, have you got this? Have you got this in? He goes, yes. How many have you got? I've got six. Yes. Pardon? Yes. <laughs> and he'd written his list without the ships hoping that when he got there, Ooh. they'd have them on the shelf. Wow. He okay. had like two lists. He had the one he wanted to play and the just-in-case list. He played he literally... all six out of the box. Yeah, he played a swarm. It was a swarm. I think it... I can't remember which what it was now. I think it was like an A-wing swarm when the first... the new A-wings came out for the... It had to be something small like A-wings or Fangs or something like that, yeah. yeah. But no, he walked in. He had another list just in case, but the list he wanted to play was banking on him having enough of that ship. I like that. I like the balls in that. I really do. Yeah. But then there was another one when they brought out a new ship and so about eight people came in and bought one or two of them. Not for the ship, but for the expansion cards. Yeah. Yeah. They literally, they came in, they spent, I think it was one of the medium class ships, but they needed things. So these guys walked in and they bought and they took everything off the shelf. That's and then they put them in their bag and they put one, they put one card into their pack yeah. to make it work. I have got yeah, so much. They did that like games. They produced those larger epic sized ships with one or two cards that you could mm-hmm. use in the main game. That I mean, it's a very clever business model that worked really, really well. I I love uh, like uh, the, the one thing I love about X Wing and Armada is that one you don't have to pay, as much as I like painting stuff and building stuff now and yeah. again. Um, I love the fact that you can just play it out of the box and it looks good and it's just sort of, it's like as a collector, you know, I just think they're awesome to have on the shelf as well. Just sort of like these little, actually, now I've got so many. I need to get myself the um, the conversion kits because obviously all yeah. my X-Wings in storage at the minute, but um, uh, I just, right. you know, I, mean, I love it. I, I, I swear to God, if they turned around and they did an Armada 
scale version of uh, Legion, Star Wars Legion. I I just throw <laughs> I'd throw all my money at it if I could get if I could get adats and things like that, you know, and bigger mm. sort of battles. I'd be like, just take my money, all of it. Mm. You know, Star Wars Legion is, is is a strange thing because Star Wars Legion when it came out, we all went, oh, this looks great, and it didn't seem to go anywhere. It mm. almost died. Now we sell tons of it. It's it's really come back strong, Star Wars Legion. Since they released the um, the, the Clone Wars, the the prequel starter one, yeah. that mm. totally fired people's imagination. I'm surprised. I don't even play it, but I want the Mandalorians. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I just think <laughs> I, such nice you've, got, uh, you've got a Clan Wren set. The Mandalorians. That's what I mean. The minis are just gorgeous minis. They are really, really good minis, and they're doing interesting stuff as well. Not, it's not literally just buy a pack of stormtroopers, buy a pack of rebel troopers. You, you literally, you go onto the 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 racks, and you're like, okay, that's an interesting thing in Star Wars mythology. I can't get anywhere else. I'm going to get into the game. One thing that really, really frustrated me about uh, Legions was the scale is slightly different than Imperial Assault. So I've got all of Imperial Assault. I've got everything. And uh, I can't use any of it in Legion because the scale's slightly off. Killed Imperial Assault dead for us. Everyone who's playing that game went over to Legion, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's annoying because like, yeah. Imperial Assault's yeah. a good game, but I've got loads of it, yeah. and uh, I've got I've got a lot of Imperial Assault. I'm not sure Imperial Assault uh, Legion stuff. Um, but yeah, if they threw you in, if they went Armada with it and started kind of doing the, the, the big battles, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm 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 totally in for that. I'd love it. I think it'd be amazing. But uh, yeah, yeah. But, the cost though, because the cost of Armada is what puts a lot of people off. Yeah, ninety pound a ship is just it's just oh, immense. So beautiful, yeah, so so good. I love I know. it. I mean, I, I sold three of the. Remember the superclass star destroyers? Yeah, yeah. They were like what three hundred and fifty quid, something ridiculous yeah. like that. I'm like, no, one's, no one's going to buy it. we got three of those. No one's going to buy those. They sold within like two days. I've got one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got one. <laughs> mate. I've got a Superstar Destroyer. Birthday. And just busy. all got one big Superstar Destroyer. And it's like, there you go. Ha- uh, happy birthday. And no, we're not playing you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful thing. It is yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever play it, but it, it, with it, but it's like it's a it's just it's something you have to have. It's like it's you know they're selling a Super Star Destroyer model, something you've probably wanted all your life as a child growing up in Star Wars. You're just like yeah, I've got to have that. That's you know I've got to have that model. So it's that moment where you've got your scale Death Star and you got your stick your scale Super Star Destroyer and you just you crash one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. Just uh, but fa- fantasy flight games in general. Just can't do any wrong. The, 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 what annoyed I got? Uh, what was their fantasy game? Um, Legends of the Five Rings. No, no, no. Um, that is a very good game, though. No, uh, what was it called? It's basically it was basically when when Fantasy Battle went um, like the Dodo. Uh, fantasy Flight went right. Okay, so Games Workshop aren't in bed with us anymore. We'll do our own fantasy game uh, with bases and uh, with dials. So it was basically like uh, like X Wing and stuff, but it had sort of like movement arcs and things like that. And uh, I've, I've got loads of that as well, but I can't remember the name of it because it's all in storage and has been for ages. But um, but it, it it just died so quickly. I actually I was in uh bringing one of the sort of war boots they have in Element Games, and uh, they had this table full of it at half price. And I was like, "What the hell happened to that?" And said, "Yeah, they're not doing it anymore." 
And I was just like, but I just saw it game work, you know, uh, Games Expo um, being shown off, and then it suddenly just died out of nowhere. And I was just like, oh, that, that's the concept was really good. It was fantasy battle with guys and formations that you could do like X Wing. You could use sort of dials and things and art movement arcs and stuff to move things around. And um, yeah, it just it just oh, they, yeah they did do a D and D type version, didn't they? Of um of actually using the uh, flames of war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dragons and stuff. Yeah, that yeah. Was yeah. Oh, yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. the the, the, the miniatures are beautiful, but yeah, it didn't quite quite take off. Also, they did do. They have to. I think last year they did do a massive restructuring where they basically sent got rid of all their uh, role play development team. Yeah, they did, didn't they? This and they, yeah, they completely discounted them all. Yeah, they've since then created um, all the those writers and developers then created um, a new production company called Edge Games, and essentially are working for Fantasy Flight Games as a freelance team. And basically, so essentially, um, Fantasy Flight Games still own, for example, Legends of Fire Rings, but all the development has been done by Edge. Which is essentially all the same stuff. It's just some weird restructuring. Yeah, I. There's lots of weird rumors going around about that period, with everyone. There was rumors that like they'd they'd sacked everybody that wasn't in sales and all sorts of things ricocheting around. I didn't think I. I don't understand. Like I, for you know, the amount of fantasy flight stuff I have, and you know, the amount I see people buying, I was like, they can't be in trouble. I don't understand where you know why they're laying people off. Yeah, my view is. They have released a ton of Star Wars role playing game, as in there's three editions of the game, mm. and but then there's all there. all the associated source books, and they can't keep up that amount of release because they essentially covered by every aspect of the Star Wars universe. What mm. more can you do now? Um, so but then again, with the fantasy book, with the Legend of the Five Rings, that is only just starting. It's still comparatively small compared to previous editions of the game. We had a problem with Legend of the Five Rings and the fact that everyone really liked it. It was like, oh, this looks really good, really interesting. But the release schedule was a nightmare. Yeah. They, were, they were releasing new sets every week. And in order to keep up with the release, you, you were dropping literally serious money every single week to keep up with the release. Oh. And it almost killed it for us. Yeah. With that release idea, bad idea. Cut. Uh, man, um... When when Games Workshop did their collectible card game uh, for uh, what was it uh, Warhammer? Um, What's the cards? Was it? Yeah. Uh, what was it? Oh, I got, Something like that. Um, Call of Chaos. No, 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 no. Uh, Conquest. Conquest was it? Con- yeah, Conquest. Um, yeah, before they reused it for the magazines. Yeah, Conquest. <laughs> um, and. I was just like, I can't get myself into a collectible card game because I will never be able to extricate myself. And people have warned me about magic. And then I got in and I have spent hundreds of pounds on that game. Luckily, they've only done three sets of expansions. So I'm kind of, you know, bar the last expansion, um, I, you know, I've got something to get. But it's just like, you know, they've slowed down. But it was getting to a point where I had literally just got a full set of the first expansion and was looking to get foils and things and then <laughs> they brought out this new one I was like oh man my wallet can't take this I don't know what we can deal with that and it's just like collectible card games are horrible man they just 
they, they really oh, eat. You've got to be clever about it, though. I mean, Ritz is the coast at the moment are churning out so much magic product because they know they've got the audience for it. Yeah. They know they've got a market that can sustain it, a market who will buy the magic product that's been put out there. Yeah. So I, I, if you're a small, I small yeah. I'm trying to break the market, flooding it with new product is not the way to go. Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, um, I remember, like, as the mates who were really into Magic the Gathering, really, really into, as in, they would buy retail boxes. Oh, God, that's not, not cards, but just boxes, and they'd just sit there between themselves, opening up, like, open up a box and get out the cards and sort them through them all. And that just looked the most joyless, lifeless uh, it's, it's a collection thing. Yeah, so, yeah, collectible card player here who's done that a number of times. Yeah. I, 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 say, but I just can't get it. Having said that, though... It's I, incredible. You got a whole box of cards to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and with a bit of luck, you'll get everything you want from that box or you'll be crushly disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Yep. box with nothing you want. Yep. But yep. trust me, that unopened box for a collectible card player... Is amazing. <laughs> that's a that's a fresh un, that's a fresh unopened wrap of your favourite crack. Yeah, coming at you. It's a box of my favourite crack. Okay, yeah. and, and it lasts forever. You open the first packet, ah, and you got twenty nine more of that, thirty five more packets to go. So no, trust me, it's it's not weird. Okay, I must. Have, I haven't said that. I did used to. I used to play a lot of. Um, MechWarrior Age of Destruction, which was a collectible miniatures game yeah. by Wizkid. <laughs> and I loved that. That was a really good game. Yeah. Because it relied a lot on tactics and like combined arms rather than having the winning miniature. Yeah. And I was gutted when that was canned. Yeah, I'm well, a Heroclick fan and they use the same uh the same just, system. Yeah. Yeah, they used the, the, the dial system. For- yeah. got, um, you've got, I've backed um, uh, Mech Warriors uh, Clan Invasion on Kickstarter, which is coming oh, through. And it's yeah. a, um, it's, it, you know, it's hex based. It, it's got lots of nice, pretty mechs and stuff. And Matt Geary right here is in canon because I went to the thing where I've got, a, I've got my own character in the Mech Warrior universe <laughs> now. Oh, yeah. Do you, you, you pilot, pilot your own mech? Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a part of, uh, I'm, I, I, I pilot a Timberwolf, I think. And, um, I, um, one of the, oh, something, oh, I can't remember the name of them. It's a, something Hazars. Uh, I did some research on it and I've forgotten the name, but they're basically, um, a, like inner sphere, um, nobleman and stuff so I'm, I'm basically a noble and stuff it's, it's really good and <laughs> my, my name's on a website somewhere i'm talking about it so yeah it's, it's good oh, yeah and, uh, yeah that's me kickstarters it's like ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, i expect all you guys to come and find my kickstarter now uh, well you, if you send us the links and stuff man uh we will we will post them uh any, anything That'd afterwards really cool. yeah i will make sure that it's mad, mad robot comics Every so, time I see it from now on, I'll bounce it back across the map and I'll wait for him to stop crying <laughs> as he starts clicking back. <laughs> no, if, you, if you don't normally back comic Kickstarters, I'm not expecting to do so. But yeah, just for as we're doing a podcast, yeah, Mad Robot Comics is the uh, is what I, I publish my own stuff under and other people's stuff. So you've got a, a newish series going on the go at the moment, haven't you? You just had number two come out this week. 
Uh, yeah, I, I wrote, uh, so during lockdown, I can't, the first, during the first lockdown, I was very bored. So I, I started, I, yeah, I'm like, so I started five new comics. <laughs> uh, I sold one to Heavy Metal. You, yeah, you guys familiar with Heavy Metal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So one to Heavy Metal, which will be published by them in the new year. I sold one to Marcosia, who are an English publisher. That's the one that Mark's thinking of. That's called Fear Kill. Um, which is about it's about killer cars. Um, it's it goes watch Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, uh, yeah, Stephen yeah. King film. Yeah, <laughs> Maximum Overdrive meets Stephen King's Christine. It's it's all that <laughs> cars. Um, it's that that combined with. Um, I mean, I grew up with like all the kind of like the the, the real Ghostbusters and Transformers and GI Joe, all those cartoons of the eighties. So it's my version of those type of cartoons of the 80s. Oh. So yeah, that's, that's with my cozy at the moment. Yeah. How um, do you find yeah. your tastes have changed during lockdown? Because I mean, I was watching Kingdom a lot, that uh, Netflix um, series um, about South Korean, Korean period drama with zombies. And since like COVID-19 and everything, I've not wanted to watch much stuff about, like, you know, killer plagues. <laughs> so I just wondered if your tastes, like, you know, more creatively have changed at all during lockdown. You know, just as an aside, you say that you're you're kind of sick of the whole zombies and killer plagues thing, but trust me, <laughs> every writer I know is currently writing their uh, quarantine killer plague story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People write what they know, and it's like... Yeah. Yeah, I'm, if I'm stuck in my house and can't go out because the disease is going to kill me, guess what I'm going to write about? So in, in six months, a year's time, expect the market to be flooded. Yeah. TV, films, computer games to be flooded with that type of story because people are writing at the moment what they know. Oh, yeah, because I, I do NaNoWriMo every year. And the last two or three months, the last six months, everyone prepping for NaNoWriMo. I'm like, do you think it's going to be asking for trouble if I do a zombie thing? And everyone else is saying, yeah, that's a good point. Mm. <laughs> everyone yeah everyone's got i mean you, you can't face it 2020 has been about the the covid virus and it's on people's minds and people want to do their own take on it so yeah you're finding that um i uh, have my taste changed um i don't know i mean at the moment i can watch every friday morning i can watch a new star trek and a new star wars series i mean for me that's <laughs> that's, oh, God, yeah. that's heaven yeah. <laughs> I mean, what what more can I ask for? Um, Still haven't been able. To, I don't have uh, Disney Plus, so I haven't been able to watch The Mandalorian. Oh. So I'm gutted at this moment in time. It's very so, good. It is very good. No spoilers. It's, it's a it's not the way. <laughs> it, it's an old-fashioned, beautifully shot, beautifully acted. Don't expect anything groundbreaking for The Mandalorian, but it's a beautiful western done in yes. such a lovely way. Oh. oh, so next week's? Do you know who directed next week's? No, uh, Bryce, uh, Dallas, Bryce, Dallas, did, Bryce Dallas Howard just did this one. The last one, yeah. It's the second one because she did one in the first series. Yeah. Next week is Carl Weathers. Okay, interesting. They, they, apparently, uh, he, apparently he begged John Favreau during the first season to let him direct one. And he said, if we get a second series, you can do it. And so they got the second series and he picked up the phone and said, so, about that episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a director, but I'd be intimidated because the direction on the show is one of the, the best things about it. Yeah. Those beautiful sweeping landscape shots and those beautiful close-ups. It's so stylish, so stylishly directed. So I've still got my, my child um, 
uh, sideshow collectible to turn up. Everybody else is getting theirs at the minute, and mine's delayed, and it's really frustrating me because I'm just like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool with the child. Yeah. <laughs> no, every single person who comes in my shop and asks for it asks for Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah, so actually, that's what I mean. my, I've got three kids, and I was watching The Mandalorian, the first season, with my elder two, because my youngest is four, so no, not going to watch that. And I find it amazing that they're not... They're not um, seen any of the memes about the child, but as soon as they saw it on screen, they went, Oh, it's baby Yoda. Yoda, yeah, it turns out to be Yoda's baby. I'm gonna laugh my, laugh my ass off. I really, oh, yeah, 50 years old, and he's it's set after Yoda dies, but it could possibly be Yoda's offspring if they wanted to go that route. It's a possibility. Oh. Who knows? Well, everyone's be, related to Star Wars. Everyone's related. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very true. But episode five will be the interesting one because that's the only one this series that's been directed by Dave Filoni. Right, okay. Yeah. Now, of course, having watched the end of episode three, yeah. we have a fairly good idea of what might be in episode five now. Yeah. <laughs> Can't say anything in front of Matt, he'll cry. <laughs> so heavily to hit the stuff he did for Clone Wars, the, uh, mm. all the stuff that he did previously. Um, I mean, you've just seen episode three, I assume, with them at the I Mandalorian. That, yeah. I mean, that is, that's a Clone Wars episode. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Completely. And, way. and just, just that, that one, there's that one moment we can't talk about directly in front of Matt because he'll kill me, where you just sit there and you go, yes! <laughs> <laughs> ah, God damn it. I'm going to have to try and find it somewhere now. I'm not... I'm from... It's, it's, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's good, enjoyable TV. Um, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to criticise it. I, I don't get challenged by the man drawing. I don't sit there thinking, oh, that's a new way of doing things. But I do sit there and I do enjoy every second of it. Yeah, it's Nothing just you, but it's just done very well. It's yeah. a very well put together show, yes. Yeah. It's just got that thing because it's not, it's, there's the, there's sort of like inference to Jedi's and, and that sort of thing, but it's not. It is a Western. It's like, that's where I, that's why I like Rogue One so much because it's about human being, well, you know, regular folk doing regular things and stuff. And sort- background mark out of interest. It's, I've been wondering. Oh, that's, oh, that's uh, Mass Effect. Uh, that's the Normandy. The, um, the original SRV Normandy. Plus a little bit of my room when it occasionally blurs out because, you know, Skype. <laughs> You've got but, the yeah, uh, the remastered I... the remastered versions coming oh. out soon, don't you? Oh god, yeah. yes! I, I, I squeed so loud that I think I broke a is window. Is that good or is that bad? I think it's going to be very good because it'll be interesting to see. They they saying that they haven't they haven't put enough people on it to make it like a big change. They've just said they're polishing it, so it'll be interesting to see what they've done. The only thing that they've committed to is there won't be any uh, multi multiplayer in Mass Effect Three anymore because obviously that's EA wanting to maintain the servers. But it will be interesting to see, especially with one, if they make any changes to the combat style and the combat balance. Because obviously, one was the only one where you had uh, a, a significant difference in how the weapons worked hmm. compared to two and three, and it's it was more of a role playing game than a combat role playing game. So that is going to be interesting. Um, also, I don't know if anyone saw. I'm, I'm part way through watching it at the moment. Last week they live streamed on N7 Day a um, a role playing game. Which included Mark Mir and Jennifer Hale. Yes. Um, based on um, sort of Blades in the Dark, which was they called Omni Blades in the Dark. And I'm about a three quarters of an hour to an hour into the three and a half hours or so they did. Mark Mir is a Vorchar from the Blood Pack, and um, 
Jennifer Hales is playing a Salarian scientist. <laughs> he um, does a lot of du- uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Mark Mayer. I'm friends with him on Facebook. And, um... Yeah, but his spot chart is hilarious. There's a thing where, there's a, there's a running joke at the moment where he was, uh, he talks about, I'm trying to remember what he was doing. He was, he's been reading something in <laughs> as the Vorshaw and doing the voices and everything. And everyone's jumping in and asking him about stuff. And because he's doing it as a Vorshaw, it's, yes! Yes! They're supposed to be sneaking in between two warring parties to get something and recover something. And he's like, I have a good idea, yes? We jump in the Mako and we drive right up the middle and shoot them all. They're scouting around, finding like passageways and stuff. He goes, "Yes, but we still jump in the Mako, right?" <laughs> and he's got one of the he's got one of the Nerf guns that is he's like one of the Nerf shotgun style, and he keeps holding it up, going, "We shoot people, yes." <laughs> <laughs> oh, the guy is insane, but it's hilarious. Yeah, he really gets into it as well. Like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we were talking about before before the podcast started. Um, there was there, were, there was po- podcast gold being laid out, uh, so I think I, we should go back to that. Where as we're talking about RPGs and stuff, so we were talking about uh, Dungeons and Dragons and um, how you know how dungeon masters um, in dungeon masters should, uh, should you know some of them should write their own books and things. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, uh, yeah I, so I work in a, a shop and we, yeah, before the lockdown or when there's not a lockdown, we have um, uh, D&D evenings. Uh, we have, sometimes we have multiple groups running at the same time, which is always really interesting. <laughs> and yeah, some, I personally, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the fact that I think if you can, you can DM, you can tell an exceptionally good story, you could write a book, you can write a comic. I mean, you, you, you I see them weave weed stories on the go that better than some of the things that I read in comic books or books these days. So I yeah. find it sort of, um, I, I can, I can write a good story if I've got time to think about it. Um, I can improvise well ish, um, especially with the group I have Mark and Pete, uh, who, who regularly test me. Um, <laughs> you've got to keep you on your toes. Yeah, very much so. We haven't uh, broken you yet. We've tried, but we yeah. haven't quite managed it. And, and we've got <laughs> uh, one of our, our cleric, um, Danny, who's my neighbour, and she's like, she's only, it's her first RPG she's ever played, but she gets really, really into it to the point where like you can just watch her video stream, and she's starting to she's get like she's she's a meme. She gets so you know everything that happens, and she's getting like really sort of like annoyed by it or like elated by it and stuff, and keeps on doing actions and things but i find that i um my best work is the stuff i can do over text messages and stuff because i've got a bit more time to think about it and make it a bit more sort of you know what i'll what i'll do is i'll write something really complicated and really well and they'll miss it or they'll do something completely else and it's completely down the drain and i just got the point where i'm just like I can't do that anymore because they're not going to do what I need them to do. And I'm not the sort of guy who wants to railroad them into things. So I just... I've had DM say to me, so tonight we're going to reveal that this this happened to this person and then this person will do this. And then this person will find out that, that they slept with their brother and that person worshipped a demon who killed her. And it's like, oh, that's that's amazing. That's incredible. And you watch them completely and you miss all the cues. <laughs> yes. It's like all the time. All the direction. 
and and literally all his hard work goes to nothing. It's it's one of those. It's one of those things. It's it, unfortunately it's free will. Yeah, well that's it. And it, it doesn't bother me and stuff. Game without free will. So. It, it it doesn't bother me. It's just that, um, you know, I, you know, I can just throw stuff in, and you know, I, I've got a, a vague idea where things are going to go. It's just that if I've got if I'm, we do sort of in between stuff where we do text ma- text messages and stuff and we've had some pretty emotional times doing it and stuff and it's like it's good because if they do something you can have time to sit back and you're not having to worry about you know you know, people being bored and stuff because it's over a text message so you can really think about it and make it really interesting and stuff and i quite enjoy that and i quite enjoy sort of throwing in sort of like heartstring you know really you know hitting them when they're down and stuff <laughs> to be fair also there's less pressure on you because we do live stream yeah, the, yeah. Um, games that we're doing so it's not just that he has to put up with us he's live streaming it as well so he has that added pressure of occasionally clever people chucking in comments or the other next door neighbor who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> questions me all the time she's getting very she's getting very boy, uh, very bold at the minute questioning yeah, but also her other half yeah <laughs> it's just... when he's when he's in there she's on the stream and he's in the chat taking the piss yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Are you guys? Are you guys doing socially distanced? Um, yeah, yeah, it's all over uh, Roll Twenty. Yeah. Like Roll Twenty is awesome, you know. Discord or how do you do it? Uh, Discord and Roll Twenty. Um, yeah. So Roll Twenty for playing, and then Discord. We also use a thing called World Anvil, um, which for, for yourself as a comic book writer might be quite interesting. It's basically world tool. a world building tool, and I like I've gone deep on it man like i i've written and i've got maps and you can zoom into maps and when you go to a town you can zoom into the town and then you can you can put little points on things and write up what happened in these points and you can do modern combat writers i mean jonathan hickman is this the 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 good example who literally plan out everything to the minute detail they have literally before they even put their first issue out they know exactly where it's going to go they know all the characters um, they produce maps of, of, uh, of cities, of islands, of, of different places, and yeah, no, I can't do that. <laughs> it's hard work, I, man. It's 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 a full time job. <laughs> it, when it comes to the writing, I can't do that either. I'm a pantser to that to the heart of it, as they call it in NaNoWriMo, because I tried planning stuff out, and my brain starts writing the characters, and the characters go that way. It literally is just like DMing a game, except it's all in here. There's nothing <laughs> that. So yeah. 10 years ago, I did a comic course um, in New York with a guy called Andy Smith, one of the Marvel editors. And literally, the first thing he said, he sat us down and he said, right, there are two ways of writing a comic. You either decide where your story is going to go, beginning, middle and end, or you let your characters decide where the story goes. And oh, he's, God, yeah. generally speaking, the second one will always give the better results. Because basically, if your if your cat wants to go that direction, that's how the story is going to work best. That's how your readers are going to want to go. That's how the story is going to tell itself better. Yeah. So if your characters are saying, "I'm not going to go, not going to do that," in your head you're thinking, "Well, my character, my character wouldn't do that." Go the other way. Go where they take you, and that give you a, always gives you a better experience and a better story. Yeah, I I agree. I have got a vague sort of idea on how things should go from the start when i first started because this is my first time dming and we haven't played dungeons and dragons since i was a kid and my first time doing it i was like because we did a one shot and then one shot i planned everything out 
um, on you know, you know, bars some certain certain wizards trying to fire fireballs at things and nearly derailing the entire game. Um, <laughs> um, it you know it, that was fine. So I started doing the same thing for the campaign and found very very quickly that you can't do that. And to be honest, them doing stupid things or them doing things that you don't expect actually gives you it gives you ideas it makes you be able to go on to things like a lot of the stuff that i've got now um is very much down to the fact that they've sort of gone in that direction or they've made assumptions and went this is what it's about and i'm like it wasn't about that but it is now and then it's just sort of and that makes things go because it make it, it one it makes it more enjoyable for them i think because they are going along a line that they think they should be going along and uh and secondly it's just you know it, it's it's like a natural evolution of the game and I, I find that as well. So it's just like, yeah, I would agree to the to the second one. Has anyone story because the the people are telling the story. The, the human emotions, human reactions, human feelings are driving your story forward. It becomes utterly relatable to anyone playing it or anyone watching it. Has anyone think... played Mage the Ascension? No. Mage the Ascension. It's uh, one of the White Wolf games, uh, but basically, it's you all play mages. And basically, that can re- but rather than casting spells, you can just reshape reality to your will. Now, part of that is you have an avatar, which is essentially your mystic self. And when I was running a game for about two years, I was using the avatar to basically nudge the players and go, "You don't want to do that. You want to do this." Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but every now and then, when they're doing something stupid or going in completely the wrong direction, suddenly there's get little nudge going, "Why not go this way? Mm-hmm. Why not do this?" Yeah. Well, I've got that. I've got that in 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 our game. Bahamut, yeah. the old the old man is the yeah. if things are going way too off course to the point where you could end up killing yourselves, he'll maybe jump in just to sort of kind of keep you on on track. I, I'm not I'm not too precious about your characters dying. It's just that one, it doesn't make good watching for people if you you guys are dead. Uh, and two, I don't think you should enjoy it as much if if a character you've put a lot of effort into suddenly dies. So I try to sort of, you know, damage limitate uh, some damage limitation by having you know that him turn up now and again just to sort of kind of well that's all well and good, but this is kind of another way you could think about it and stuff as well mm-hmm. and it's up to you if you carry on that way and stuff but as you've no, have you as you've realized or my brother realized very uh recently um when he got downed and nearly got double damaged which would have meant insta death um you know you've got to be very careful because characters are you know can die and um yeah you've put a lot of effort into that character as my, my brother's got five pages worth of bio for him oh, I God. Think. <laughs> he's got like five pages and he's got more and he's like adding to oh, it and God. stuff and it's just like when oh, when God. that character when he got hit by that character and got nearly nearly double damaged was he one hp short yeah something ridiculous like that he literally could have died and he went oh shit and he just realized it's like right i can't just run in and do things i need to think very carefully now i was like yes yes, as a group you were saying about are we doing socially distanced i'm in petersfield um pete's up in derby matt and danny are up on the outskirts of manchester michael is in ireland in northern ireland we we can't help but be socially distanced (laughs) the only two that cannot be socially distanced if they wanted to be is matt and danny because they're literally the other side of a wall from each other the rest of us, yeah, we it, it has to be socially distant. 
It's a good thing. You know, Roll twenty is a good is a good tool. It's a bit temperamental at times. Um, the dynamic light's frustrating because it's a, an amazing concept. <clears throat> it just doesn't work very well. It slows your computer down and stuff. Um, but you know, for the game itself, it's it's you know such a good idea. And it really you know I. I think I would run it, even if I was with people, I'd probably have Roll20 there as well, simply because I think it's got quite a lot of functionality and stuff. Plus, I've bought so many of the compendiums now that, you know, it's just so much so much money. I've got the new one, obviously. Um, Tasha's yeah, Tasha's comes out tomorrow, I think, or Tuesday, I think, Monday or Tuesday. It's been delayed in Europe. Uh, what? Well, I'm, <laughs> see, I'm not sure if, it, if that a, for digi- di- digital... Which is uh, Tuesday. We're not getting it until December. Uh, oh, see, I'm not Ooh. sure if that that works for. Um, that's is that physical Ready. copies? Physical copies, yes. Yeah, because I've got the compendium. I think. For Are you getting Cyberpunk Red, the core rulebook? Say again. Are you getting the Cyberpunk Red core rulebook? No idea. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I don't do a lot. I only I don't do a lot of the ordering. I just know stuff that is not gonna be turning up because people. I've had people come in and ask about Tasha's Cauldron and, and literally saying, "When's it out?" And I'm like, "I'm really sorry." It, yeah, it's been delayed in Europe. Yeah, unlocked, unlocked on uh, unlocked on November seventeenth, twelve p.m. CT. So yeah, yeah anyway. you get the digital version, but yeah, if you want the physical version, you have to wait. Unfortunately. By the way, this is my co-star, or one of my co-stars. This is Tally, and her brother is Rex, in case you hadn't guessed that I'm into Mass Effect. She's <laughs> <laughs> in and out of existence at the moment. Keeps on yeah, going. she's black. Into the back. Ah, yeah, yeah. Because she's black, and it's matching and pattern matching. If she stays still for a moment, she disappears. The best one was um, a couple, about six months ago. There was a Zoom call we were doing, and I was trying out. I forgot I'd been trying out the background matching for that. And I said it's black. And she jumped up on the desk while I was in the middle of the call. And all they could tell was suddenly there was this cat shaped black, this cat shaped background thing in front of me. And then she turned around and literally all they got was a cat shaped blob with an arsehole. Because <laughs> it was the only thing that wasn't black. And that was um, interesting. Luckily, they were understanding. You're just basically stroking nothing at the moment. It's a bit. It's, it's, kind of, yeah, it's, it's disconcerting. Yeah, it's, She's. Yeah. Um, She's very much a case of she's she's my cat, whereas Rex is away over her mum, his mum. But she is very much affectionate on her terms when she demands it. Not when she asks, when she demands. That must be a black cat <laughs> thing, man, because my, my, my old black cat, um, she was the same. She was very much a case of, you know, you'll stroke me when I let you stroke me. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to scratch the shit out of you. <laughs> but these two are from the Cat and Rabbit Rescue down near you at Sidlesham. Matt? All right. Yeah. Okay. That's not far from me, yeah. So we went down to have a look in there, right? And we went in to see these two. And I got down on my knees to say hello to her brother. And next thing I knew, she was on my shoulder. I just had this strange sensation. And she went up the back of my leg, up my back, and sat on my shoulder and said hello. I was like, I guess you've been chosen then. You have been chosen. (laughs) Yes. Um, So uh, is there... Is there any sort of area of comics that you haven't done that you would sort of kind of like to go? Um, no, I mean, I, I really wanted to write a sci-fi book. Um, and I wrote the heavy metal story that comes out next year is heavy sci-fi. I'm a massive Transformers fan. Right. <laughs> and I really, and the, the sci-fi story I wrote for heavy metal 
is all about robots. So I, I got to I got to get that out of my system. Oh, what's that? What's that? Bring it back. That's um, pipes. Oh, I've got almost... oh, poor little pipes. <laughs> I've got almost all of the mini bots. I just I, I think I'm missing um, a couple of the um, limited run ones. You see, I'm of More Than Meets the Eye by a writer called James Roberts. He wrote a comic called More Than Meets the Eye. Oh, which, yeah. I think I've read it, but I, 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 at one point, had all of the original UK run, and yeah. I had most of the Gen 2. Uh, um, I, I dip in and out. It was IDW. It was uh, run for just over seven years, I think. And, um, yeah, for me, I, if I could write half as good as, as the stuff that James Roberts did. Um, but he killed pipes very, very brutally. Oh, Pipes was stomped into the floor until he was dead. So, so when I see pipes, my, my I'm like, oh, it's Huffer as well. There you go. Yeah. Now it's heart goes out to pipes. But no, yeah, massive Transformers fan. I wanted to write a robot story. I got to write a futuristic side, very hard sci-fi, no humans, hard sci-fi concepts robot story. Um, it's called Cyberarchy. Comes out next year. Is that Swerve? I yeah. can't properly. That's see? wow. Wow. Like every time Transformers, I just get the, the Transformers cartoon music. Transformers! Outback. Yes, I managed to get hold of an Outback with the gun. That's out. So many options. Yeah, yeah. Stop testing me. I prove I prove I'm a Transformers, but I can identify your Transformers. <laughs> oh man. So have you watched did you watch the films? The live action oh, films? Front? There weren't any films. Did you like? And, uh, that's true. I, believe, I don't know what you're talking about. I oh, I like Bumblebee. Bumblebee. Yeah, yeah. I, Bumblebee. I haven't seen Bumblebee yet. Uh, the first, the first one I thought was okay. Uh, I it was just good to sort of, you know. The first half of the first film was. <laughs> yeah, I did like the uh, Scorpionok attack against the Marines. I thought that was very well done when they just when they did not know what was going on. I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of the of the Michael Bay yeah. film. Yeah, that's fair. The, the um the about the new Netflix, oh, the Netflix series. What do you I, think of the new Netflix series, though? The first part. Uh, of Siege. Yeah. Uh, I I quite enjoyed Siege. Um, it was really depressing. And <laughs> everyone speaks really slowly about everything with, and um, it's there's a lot to like about Siege, but there's also a lot to hate about Siege. I, I had mixed feelings about Siege. Um, <laughs> I really like Transformers Prime, which was the, the the two shows ago. That's a very very good show. Mm-hmm. Um, and Transformers Cyberverse, which was the previous one. The first two years were for kids. The third year, and this happens quite a bit. The third year, it's like nobody's kind of watching the third year of a of a children's tv show so the writers are like okay nobody's watching us <laughs> we can do what we like and they literally did this whole big deep dive into transformers mythology and the third year was an amazing show and it, it happens a lot in tv shows that they, they've sold the toys all the toys have sold the, the the company behind it are like yeah third year go and have some fun and you get some really good kind of shows out of it so third year of cyberverse really really good but yeah prime was okay, but God, was it depressing. I, um, I, I, I'm pretty easy going when it comes to films and stuff. Um, and I've only ever turned off two films. One of them is Alexander, um, because the, the history 
person side of me just just couldn't deal with it anymore that Alexander the Great had an Irish accent and that Philip of Macedon had an Irish accent because um, Val Kilmer thought he would put an Irish accent on for some reason. Uh, you know, so I, I, I stopped watching that. Uh, the only other film that I've ever stopped watching was um, Transformers The Last Night. I just kind of went, this oh. is the biggest pile of shit I have ever watched. And I'm easy going oh, gotcha. when it comes to films. And I was just like, I can't watch this anymore. And I just stopped watching it. It is just so, so, so bad. I was just yeah. like, yeah. I've, I've never seen it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. I literally, I literally- I got about halfway through the third film and I went, I just, I can't, I, I love something. When you love something that much and it's been reduced to explosions and flippy bits of metal that fall apart, you're just like, I, I can't, I'm really sorry. There are very few things I hate. I, I think I can find any kind of narrative, any kind of geek product, I can find something I love in it. There are so few things I hate and I'm really sorry, but I just... Michael Bay films are just one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kept going back and hoping, and I kept walking out going, why did I do that? I did the third one. I hate I, I, The first one, actually, I didn't mind too much at all. The second one, I really hated. I thought, no, 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 no. Aberration. Third one, they pull it back. And I got halfway through the third one, and I went, I just can't. These are, these are not transform. There's no... There's, the transforms have no personality. You don't care about them. There's nothing going on that interests me in the slightest. And oh, I just, I'm sorry. I just, I couldn't get on with it. Saying that though, Bumblebee, I really enjoyed the the most recent. Yeah. One. I really enjoyed that. Is, it, a, is it a retcon? Is it a retcon? Is it a prequel? Yeah. Is it? Initially, prequel. they were going to have it be um, tied into the Michael Bay movies. It was, yeah, it was meant to be a prequel to the Michael Bay movies. It was a massive success. And they've gone, yeah, let's just distance it from <laughs> So now it's a, apparently set in its own continuity. It's a separate thing now. Uh, okay. All right. I'll, I haven't watched it yet. I need, I need, I need to watch it and stuff. But, um... And you're wrong. Very, very like the first Transformers movie. It's almost, you could see it being like almost a remake of the first Transformers movie. All the things you love in that movie are in Bumblebee. But it's better. It's better. Right. Give, that a, give that a whirl then. Might see it, I might watch it with Gosha later, actually. We're sort of going through. Uh, we were watching, um, what did we watch recently? A Trial 4 on Netflix, which is really good if you like your real uh, real uh, crime sort of thing. And um, the un- Unnatural Selection uh, is insane. They literally heal a guy, uh, a kid's eyesight. He's He's pretty much blind. And with gene, with gene therapy, they make him see again. It's just like that's insane, absolutely mad. So yeah, that's something you should watch if you if you like your sort of science and stuff um, on Netflix. Oh dear. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, okay, uh, been about an hour and twenty. Um, so yeah, I think that's a that's a good place good place to leave it. Um, Matt, um, websites, uh, general promotion, go. So while I'm sitting here, my wife is, is dropped graphic novels next to me going, mention them, mention them. Um, <laughs> so can I hold up? Yep. That, that's the what we were talking about earlier. That's the uh, adaptation of a study in Scarlet, uh, directed for an all-ages audience. Yeah. Russell Mark Olsen. Um, that's Helen Stalingrad. 
uh, a book I co-wrote with uh, a chap called Rob Jones, art by uh, a guy called Russell McEwen. Yeah. Um, that's basically like a commando type comic book. Oh, awesome. With like lots more blood and lots more demons. So it's a war story. Um, that was one of the most recent Kickstarters I did. Um, I've got a book on comicsology at the moment called Veerkill. Second issue of that is out. Um, if you go to www.madrobotcomics.com, all my past work, all my other comics that I've written in the past are on there. Brilliant. Um, the all links... Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of nonsense, uh, either under Mad Robot Comics or Matt Hardy. Yep. If, you, if you fire over to uh, to Mark or even in the chat uh, on on uh, Skype, all the links, I'll, I'll fire them in the descriptions to the videos and when the uh, it goes live on Spotify, etc. So it's on there. Okay. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, that you like one thing out of the, t- the two main things, you know, you, you do the Star Wars, you're not so much the Lord of the Rings, but it's okay. It's all right. Well, we'll- I really enjoyed Rogue One. Um, I mean, admittedly, I saw it. My One of my best friends uh, got married, and then the day after he got married, he, he, he rented a cinema out, and he took <laughs> the person who turned up for the wedding into the cinema to watch Rogue One. Oh, what a legend. What a guy. So um, but I've seen it since then as well. And yeah, I still can't believe that Disney let them kill him all. I still absolutely cannot believe it. Yeah, that was, it's a war film, man. It's just like, it was a beautiful way to end. That, that... It actually does it in space, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, but still, it's Disney. I can't believe Disney let them kill them all. Oh. So, but they've got, they had loads of room, haven't they? they um, Cash and Andor coming with a prequel series to Disney Plus, apparently. Oh, yeah, they'll always find a way to bring them back in some way. Yeah. <laughs> they wrote the end of their lives, they just want to prequel it now. Yeah, I just hope they works. make it slightly <laughs> dark, because Cassian in Cassian in that is, he's a dark character. It's none of this, and this was, you know, I have said this numerous times on this podcast, that... Um, this is going to be another R's conversation, by the way. We were going to finish the podcast, but this is happening now, so this is this is going on. But <laughs> it, uh, Cassian in Rogue One is a very dark character which is why it's a good film because you know we've got this whole eve you know the 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 empire is evil and the rebels are this whiter than white good but this gives it a dark edge that you know they've done stuff that maybe isn't really good they've done things for the greater good and it's like what a rebellion probably is it's like they've had to do horrible stuff that meets an end and i love that and i like there being a sort of a double edge to the sort of kind of the whole the whole thing you know by the means thing isn't it it literally is we you know we do what we have to do to to see to, to mean that we see another day and the empire doesn't win i i would love to see a film which was on the side of the empire from a different point of view and stuff like there's there's a lot of um there's some canon stuff old canon uh about it you know we, we talked about it about how the death star was there to stop the uh young vac is that what they, they were called Yijunvang. Yijunvang, Yijunvang. yeah yeah from the from invading and because you know that happened that there was you know billi- billions of people were killed billions of lives were destroyed more than the galactic civil war um because the the death star was there to stop them from in, invading um i like some of the sort of um youtube fan films they've made which are sort of on they're sort of done 
uh, on in as you know in stormtroopers. There's like stormtroopers who have, rebels have killed their family and they're fighting it for the empire because you know that's what you know that's what they would do because the, the rebels uh, have have decimated their their lives and stuff. And I like that sort of edge to it. I like the fact that there is another side to that coin, and I I, I wouldn't mind them doing something like that. They touched um, that in, a little bit in Resistance, didn't they? But with the, the with um, it was later on. They touched on that a little bit where they had one of the main characters move across and start training as a Tie Fighter pilot. So they got that flipped coin thing there, didn't they? With the Resistance. Yeah, I, I like and, that. I think that you know, making I you know I, you know this is coming from a guy you know I love complicated things like you know game of thrones and stuff where things flip and it's not it's not black and white i like that so you know have you guys read any of the the marvel star wars comics oh man the bit where he's yeah. where darth vader is standing on the just like you're surrounded yeah, all i'm standing, surrounded yeah. by is fear <laughs> and dead <laughs> men <laughs> so late later in that series uh kieran kieran gillen the writer kieran gillen yeah, yeah. So books and Threads from Rogue One, so he has he has Luke go back to uh, what's the planet? Uh, not Crate. What's the planet that gets the city gets destroyed in Rogue One? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We know what you mean. Yeah. He goes. He goes back and he visits the remains of Sorgarella's cell, and you even get the reason why Rogue Squadron is called Rogue Squadron because it's named in honour of Rogue One as well. So he picks up a load of the Rogue One plot threads in his Star Wars uh... run. I'd really recommend picking that, picking his run up. I'm totally not looking really... at that at the moment, honest. <laughs> like I, I've never been a massive uh, comic. I, I, I started doing comic collection uh when I was younger, but then I couldn't keep on top of it, and I because I lived in the sticks, uh, I, I getting access to sort of comics in Northern Ireland where I was was it was extremely hard, uh, so I just stopped. Um, I've still got some of the Crimson Empire stuff, um, the Dark Horse Crimson Empire stuff. Uh, yeah. I love the whole Imperial Knight type um, aesthetic. You know, that was really good, and the sort of uh, what was it the the Fell Imp- was it the Fell Empire. Which is basically after after Palpatine yeah, in the far future, yeah, with jagged one of jagged Fell's sons or something. Yeah, so you know, and it, I, I like I like that sort of thing, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely I've seen I've read some of the Darth Vader once because my uh, my mate has um, collects comic books quite religiously and stuff. So yeah, I think Vader, I might have to go there. Very good. Vader standing on the deck of a star destroyer, finding out that Luke is his son. And watching you watch as the as the as the the screens of the Star Destroyer slowly the windows slowly start to crack. He doesn't move. He just stands there as as the realization that he's been lied to his entire life comes upon him. You just watch the cracks appear in the windows as his frustration takes over him. It's a magnificent moment. Uh, there, <laughs> there's a lot of sort of kind of poignant moments in those. I think is there one where he sort of he's faced with C-3PO and there's sort of like a um, it might be in a different run uh, I, I, basically, I, I remember seeing some panels and it was basically Vader um, with C-3PO and there was that sort of the inference that you know he, he does know who C-3PO is because obviously he created C-3PO and stuff and um, I'm going to have to try and find it now um, uh, while we're talking Star Wars did anyone want to talk about the um, that little leak about the George Lucas 
intentions for the third trilogy. Oh, yeah, about Leia being... Um... I never read it. I saw the link. I never got round to it. What was he going? So, so apparently he was going to focus the third trilogy more on Leia. So he was going to go with the idea that Anakin was the focus of the first trilogy. Luke and trying to recover the Jedi Order and um, defeat the Empire was the second one. And the third one was going to be Leia coming into her own, trying to rebuild the Alliance. The, um, totally up the Republic. Yeah. yeah. Totally up for that. While Luke was going to be in the background because he was going to be obviously chasing around trying to do the, 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 the um, Jedi side of things. So that it was so it was definitely going to be more of a a focused on her up front and actually having the machinery of the Republic become, coming into being because she was driving it forward and dragging people with her. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, not a massive fan of the prequels. I think Lucas really shouldn't have directed any of them. But there's some great no, there's some great ideas in the prequels. He just oh. shouldn't have written or directed any of them. Um, but yeah, I'd have been up for that totally. I really would more than what we got, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I you know I, we've 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 discussed this at great length, and you know, lucky John yeah. Joe's not here, so yeah, that's just great. But yeah. uh yeah, the exactly. ask me about the um uh, the 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 new Star Wars films. I'm very glad you didn't. Yeah, well, it's uh, it, that this that is a Pandora's box that could literally lead us in. And yeah, that's three. Did you know what? Why not? Why not? Why not? We're 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 we've 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 opened it up slightly already, uh, and we've probably talked about this with nearly every other guest who's been into Star Wars, so why not? So um, the, the the last three films, general views? I, I liked The Force Awakens. I thought it was treading a lot of old ground, but it had potential. I thought the, the load of new characters, I thought, yeah, this could be the, the ground, uh, ground floor of something really good. Last Jedi, I thought was a really uh, yeah. Last Jedi, I thought was a really good film, but a really bad Star Wars film. I thought it was a it was a film full of clever ideas, not really what needed to be done for Star Wars at that point. Um, I like the I like the ideas, I like the directing. I really like the fact that he looked at the whole concept for Star Wars and went, okay, there are things here that are a bit pompous. Let's let's play around with them a bit. But I don't think it served the story from the first film at all well. And I thought um, um, uh, God, I've drawn a blank on Rise of Skywalker. Sorry, I've drawn a blank on the um, I thought Rise of Skywalker was an absolute fucking mess. What? Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I did. I'm sorry. I thought the other day, I try to remember what bits I liked in it, and the only bits I can remember that I liked in it was the bit where he switches the lightsabers round, um, and the bit where the Falcon does all the jumps through the different uh, the hyperspace jumps. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I honestly, to be perfectly honest, I thought that it was an impossible job, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. There was so much, so much to tie up, so much to do, so much expectation on that film. But I honestly thought that he didn't give a single character a decent, decent ending. I think he had to do a lot of firefighting from the last one. I thought there was a lot of firefighting yeah. from The Last Jedi. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. The first half of uh, The Rise of Skywalker was basically J.J. Abrams trying to get the plot back onto the course that he originally envisioned yeah, after... Totally, but you can't do that in a major... Yeah. Well, yeah, the... yeah. To be honest, it should have been two films, because then you would have had this, the time and the space to kind of tell the story he wanted to. Furthermore, it or, also, this, the entire sequel should have suffered by the fact there was no set-down game plan. plan of, like, 
this is what the first film's going to be, this is what the second film's going to be, and this is what the film going to be. There was nothing, they, they, no structure to it, and that's what it needed. Wing it, and by winging it, they could create something kind of clever, but you can't do that when you've got such high expectations on a yeah. film. And especially Rise of Skywalker, then. I, Did you guys like Rise of Skywalker? Rise of Skywalker, for it. me, was... Um, you know, I, I, I know there there's flaws in it, but for me, it was the end of a journey that I started as a child with my father watching, you know, the, the trilogy, uh, you know, and, and it was literally, for me, it was quite emotional because it, it wasn't, it was just the end of, of a chapter in my life. And so it, it, it there was part... Yeah. You know, there was parts in it which I could criticize, but as a so, it 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 justified certain parts within um the uh the Last Jedi, which made me happy because there was a lot of things about the Last Jedi I didn't like. Um, I liked the fact that they had they what they did with Leia, um, with Carrie Fisher's character because initially I thought she needed you know the Mary Poppins thing from Last Jedi was fucking blasphemous. I was just like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then obviously they 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 justified that in um the rise of skywalker but i'm kind of glad they kept her around and they did they gave her a good ending i love the fact that chewy got a medal i love the fact that finally chewy got a medal uh, you know out of you know people don't realize this you know in the first the first film uh and don't get a medal with the wookie they, you know, everybody got a uh, got a medal. He's a sentient creature, and he did as just as much as they did, but he didn't get a medal. And uh, I like the fact that he got a medal and stuff. I like the way they did it with uh, how um, Leia, you know, died. Um, the the bit with Harrison Ford, which was completely unexpected, you know, with uh, Han Solo coming back. I like that. I, I know it did give it teared me up slightly because it was just like you know, and it was just sort of the whole thing was just like. It was an end, and it, it, it was it it, it it was a bit ridiculous at the end with all the, the you know the the super the star destroyers and you know the the, the, yeah, the earth. But this, and the... Yeah, but this is like the final film, the conclusion of a nine film epic. Yeah, you wanted something bombastic. You wanted something completely. Yeah, exactly, and that's what because it is Star Wars. Yeah, and that's what I, that's what we got. And it, you know, it had it had you know you had a um, wedge was there. You know, you had yeah. you know flying the Millennium Falcon. You had lots of little sort of you know. Little nods to things, and it was just like it was like a swan song for the for the the franchise. And you know, my, my bar my mother falling asleep as she generally does in these <laughs> things. You know, she insists to come with us to watch them, but falls asleep. But me and my sister and my brother, who again were brought up in Star Wars, um, you know, we teared up. It, it was it was a good end, and it, for me, I could. It wasn't like The Last Jedi where I couldn't forgive certain things, especially the way they portrayed Luke. I think they made Luke into somebody I personally didn't think he was. And I know there's lots of justifications of why, why he, he was doing it, but, you know, there's counter arguments to that because it's just like, you know, Obi-Wan wasn't like that and uh, Yoda wasn't like that and blah, 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 blah. But I, I accept there are arguments for it, but it, for me, that wasn't who Luke was and that isn't who he shouldn't be. You know, and... Whereas this one, it had little bits and pieces that were a bit ridiculous, and and you know it was, and, and you know Baba Frick, it wasn't you know things like that. But I, 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 it made it, it 
it was an emotional thing for me and you know that's why i thought it was really good it was a good ending i i I didn't come out of it sort of going that was shit or that was okay i came out of it emotional and kind of going well yeah that's how i kind of wanted the end and that was that was good for me i'm glad to hear that actually i'm glad to hear that you you felt it was kind of a good end to the whole star wars saga and then and i i've got to be honest with you i yeah i agree with what you're saying there but you've also got to view it as um it's three films there that for some people are their first introduction to Star Wars. Yep. The yep. character of, of, um, of Ray and Poe and Finn, they got no real kind of resolution, no real kind of ending at all in that film. It, it was almost like they were pushed aside. I mean, Ray gets some ending, but the rest were pushed aside. Finn, Finn was pretty much sort of sidelined, you know. Like the, in, in, in a sense, um, Finn's story ended at the end of the, um, the second one. Because when, he, when, he, when he confronts uh, Captain Phasma and defeats her, and, and she goes, um, scum, and he goes, no, rebel scum. And that, that was the end of Finn's storyline, really. Yeah. yeah it's, I, a, it's a real shame. I would have liked to have seen... If you're going to use those characters, give us a story about those characters. Oh, yeah. I felt like they were supporting the swan song of the characters that the writers knew and loved, rather yeah. than rather than being there for their own purpose. They were there to do the stuff the old people couldn't do, Absolutely. and to be thrown into the mash, thrown into the thing, and be thrillingly, scarily, almost dead, without risking wow. the really valuable characters almost. As we've all said, there was just too much to do in that end film. That was that was the problem. You couldn't give them their ending and give and give Leia the, her ending and give everyone else their ending. There was just too much to do in that yeah. whole. Film. You should have split the film um, at the point where Ray confronted um, Kylo Ren on the remains of the of the Death Star. Just end the film after that battle and then have an entirely new film. Yeah. And I'm sure they wouldn't have said no to the money as well that that would have produced. Yeah, but you wouldn't well, be getting exactly. it's a trilogy, isn't it? And stuff. So, it's, you know, but, part yeah, one, part yeah, two. Yeah, you want the trilogy. You, you have to deliver a trilogy. But I'm sorry, I agree. I think I think more space to tell those stories would have been yeah. better. Yeah. I think, as an avowed pantser, as someone who tends to run space first into writing something and hopefully comes out the other end alive, it really did demonstrate that certain things need to be put in place with someone in charge and a basic structure, and then good writers and directors within it to make it work. On TV shows, you need someone there to go, I don't care what you do in the middle, but here's my here's my beginning, here's my middle, and here's my end. You need to hit these points. What you do in between is fine, yeah. but you need, yeah, and, and I, Bible. but that wasn't there for those three films. Mm. To be fair, I was probably ruined by growing up with Bar- Babylon 5, to be fair. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, JMS knew his stuff. JMS. Well, we we saw the complete inverse of that with uh, the Battlestar Galactica, where uh, Ronald D. Mew did not have a series bible, and you could tell that by the ending to Battlestar Galactica, which I love. Battlestar Galactica. The last season, especially, was absolute tripe. The first season was fantastic. Second season, very good. Third, yeah, it was okay. Enjoyed it. Fourth, especially I. Fourth was just downhill all the way and especially that last the final half of it and it's tough because they did not have a series bible they did not have plan points they were just kind of flip for characters as we started off with that thing that the cylons have a plan and it's like no they they and and they obviously don't they didn't 
Yeah, the whole sort of like we, you know, we're trying to get the Earth, and oh, we cut because it's destroyed. Oh, we'll just call this place Earth Two, and oh my God, because we're called Ares and things like this. We're the gods, and blah blah blah. Uh, that show promised so much, and it had so much promise. It started yeah. off so well, and it's yeah. so potential. The first season was perfect. Awesome cast, and when they were do- when they when they were confident in what they were doing. You know, you know things like Thirty Three, right back at the beginning of Series One, so tight and so driven, and yeah. such a simple concept. And then as they kept pushing outwards, you started to feel them getting a bit shit. What do we do now? We need do we you know what do we do with this? We'll grab something else. We'll try something else. We'll Almost. move it forward. But they didn't know what they were moving it towards because they just had this vague thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Though at least they didn't go Galactica nineteen eighty on us. That would have been scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Right. Okay. We will finish it here. <laughs> we will end it. Once we, we've got over the Star Wars hump. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Matt, it's be, I really appreciate your time. It's been super interesting. And, and good luck with the Kickstarters. Um, and uh, I, I'm going to try my best not to sit, get sucked in, though. You know. <laughs> <laughs> if you see Geek Pride, is, Geek, Pride, Geek Pride has backed your thing, then yeah, it's probably that's me, basically. So. Thank you for having me, guys. I <laughs> uh, really appreciate it. So uh, for tonight, I've been Matt Geary. Uh, with me has been Peter Ray Allison. Stay safe, everyone, and look out for each other. Uh, Mark Canty. Take care, people. And Mark uh, Matt Hardy. <laughs> Sorry, Mark, Mark Hardy. I was going to call you Mark Hardy there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> It's a wrestler, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Night all. Bye. Yeah.